You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the G Talk Show with G Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. So some of you guys may remember the the YouTube uh, live video that we used to do every episode, and in those uh, those videos, Tammy would always wave at the camera during the the opening segment that we were just playing the opening song, and, and she Josh would wave. Would not. Yeah, and she would wave at the camera. She still does that, people. She still oh, waves she at the camera, <laughs> even though we're only doing the audio. <laughs> I think I just, think after we uh, stopped I think doing it's the nice. video. I think we after we stopped doing the video, I was doing that for for a couple of few days as well before I broke the habit. Oh, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. Tammy is Plus. just a nice person. That's why she does it. I don't I don't mean that she's doing it because she doesn't know. She just does it because she's a nice person. Hi. Well, you you browbeat me to wave right at the uh, right yeah. moment. So it's like yeah, I don't want to get yelled at. Uh, I love that, but you still shop whenever we're interviewing a guest. So yeah, it's only know. it's only there's limited success. Okay, you guys hush. Got a Jeep? Want a Jeep? Never driven anything but a Jeep? Well, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hey, Josh, is it snowing in Oregon yet? Please say yes. No, not quite. (laughs) I mean, maybe up in the mountains. Actually, in fact, I heard today that Mount Hood uh, has a two-inch base. So (laughs) there is some snow in Oregon, just uh, not much. No, we're cold here, but, you know, I thought I heard that your neck of the woods, Houston, got a little uh, flurries this week, didn't they? Uh, There was some. I didn't see it here. Uh, My daughter saw a little bit of sleet, I believe, that instantly melted when it hit the windshield. Yeah. Oh, boo. Meanwhile, here in Maryland, guess what got shut down today? The schools and colleges, because of a little snow, sleet, mostly rain, and it was so ridiculous. You know what? There was more salt on the roads than <laughs> oh, snow. Geez. Yeah, I'm like, oh. Oh, it's snowmageddon 2018. Uh-huh. You're all going to die. And, of course, you're really, really sensitive with your rust issues yes. on your bumper about, <laughs> about the, snow, the salt and the snow. So this is great. Careful what you right. wish for, Tammy. Ridiculous. Hey, Tony, what's coming up on the rest of the Jeep Talk show? Well, Tammy, on this episode, uh, we're going to have David Ludington. Uh, He is the owner of Jeep and Stuff, and he talks about his nice rack. Uh, This this week in Jeep, we'll hear about a feel-good story, uh, Jeep story, about uh, the new name for the Jeep pickup and the new name for the Jeep pickup. Uh, Wrangler Talk, Rust Prevention on a Budget. Oh, gee, that's, that'll be interesting. More hot ham radio talk on our second installment of DMR Radio. And I'll have you guys know we actually got a positive email about that. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised. They actually emailed us about the great amateur radio information that we have here. Uh, Nikki G does what we specifically told him <laughs> told him not to do. And, of course, much, much more. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Has a favorite brand in your life let you down and all you want to do is crawl into a hole and cry? Yeah, me neither. 
But if you're looking for something to use as a coping mechanism for whatever life throws at you, might I suggest some retail therapy. And there's no better way to enhance that warm, fuzzy feeling than by helping out the Jeep Talk Show while you get your shopping on. Before you do anything, though, we'll need to head to jeeptalkshow.com where all you have to do is click on the big Amazon icon there. That will take you to the Amazon.com where anything you purchase over the next 24 hours will have a small percentage donated to help out the show. So when you need to buy, remember, click on us first and thanks in advance. Hey, can I tell you about an Amazon purchase I just made? Sure. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or not. Uh, They announced it uh, a few months ago. Amazon announced a few months ago some new items they were coming out with. And one of the things they were coming out with was this Amazon Fire recast TV. Basically, it's your DVR, black box DVR that allows you to record uh, over-the-air signals and play them back. And it sounds fairly boring, but if you're looking at uh, cutting the cable, this might be for you because I I like watching local channels like in the kitchen or something when I get home from work, but I can't rewind it. I can't pause it. So, you know, like, what do they say on the news? And you, I'm just, you're just so used to sitting in the living room being able to rewind it on your, your cable or your U-verse box. So I picked this thing up. Uh, it has four uh, tuners in it, so you can record four shows or stream two live, and it works off your home network. So any uh, Fire TV stick that you have or your phone or your tablet, you can watch TV on. You can watch live TV or watch the recorded stuff. So this thing is really, really neat. It was just released Wednesday. Uh, what is this? Uh, November uh, on the, uh, was it the 14th? Yeah, uh, it was on the 14th and I got it the first day it was available. It is really cool. You guys should check it out. So you're going to put it in your Jeep? Exactly. No, no, but I can watch, this is a but, Jeep I can, podcast, but I can watch, t- I can watch TV in my Jeep on my phone from this device in my house. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it is really neat. Well, leave it to the executives at FCA to screw something up once again. (laughs) It's almost as if they're sitting around a board meetings, brainstorming ideas of how to piss off the loyal constituency of the diehard Jeepers. This time, it is with much sadness that I present to you the now officially named Jeep Pickup. And no, it's not what you think. In a move this week that is all FCA, they released the name of the pickup we've been anxiously waiting for for so very long now. The much-anticipated Jeep pickup to be unveiled at the Los Angeles Auto Show later this month will be called the Gladiator, not the Scrambler. Yep, as had been expected. Once again, the nut jobs at FCA have decided to zig when they should have zagged. Don't hold it's back. It's almost... It's almost as if they haven't turned a computer on in over two years, as it was all the Jeep community could talk about when the news first came out that Jeep was going to officially enter the pickup market once again. For what is easily the last two years, millions of mentions, literally, of the new Jeep pickup all referred to it as the Scrambler. Which for many, if not most, would have been the most logical decision. Granted, there was never any official hint of what the name would be until now. So it came as not only a huge surprise, but a gigantic letdown when FCA announced this week that they have ignored the countless throngs of people and went with the polar opposite of what the people wanted or had been expecting. In other words, they pulled another typical FCA name badge move. They did it with the new Cherokee. They did it with the Renegade name badge. And now with this. 
improperly regurgitating name badges on platforms they have no business being on is pretty much par for the course for FCA. Now, this new information of the Jeep's name comes by way of FCA's media site, which leaked a treasure trove of photos and info on the upcoming pickup earlier this week before promptly pulling it down. These, photo, these press photos had shown a beautifully proportioned Jeep JT pickup truck available in premium soft top or two hard top options. But let me put the brakes on all of this really quick. I need to jog your memory just a skosh because all of this is seeming like a little bit of deja vu. If you remember, it was only about 13 years ago when we had a version of this happen before. In January of 2005 at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit, Jeep had unveiled what was a mere concept at the time, but it shook the auto world. Introduced towards the end of the Wrangler TJ's life cycle, the Gladiator concept pickup truck was described back in the day by Jeep as being, quote, a lifestyle pickup with all of the rugged, rugged functionality of the famed Jeep Wrangler. In other words, it had everything that we love about the Wrangler plus the added utility of a bed. Inheriting the Wrangler's familiar design traits, the Gladiator really hasn't aged at all from its concept days, despite being almost 14 years older now. The now in full production Gladiator, not Scrambler, will be shown in Los Angeles later this month and will enter the mid-sized pickup market, which is considered to be the next big front in truck wars raging among automakers. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, that about where the, the Gladiator name. I, I remember hearing about that, uh, and I couldn't remember if that was the uh, the Wagoneer uh, is when, when I first when you first said Gladiator because I didn't know about this. I, I guess I've been busy this week. I didn't know that they had come up with the truck name. So uh, you're you're breaking the story to me. Um, so uh, uh, the, was it the the Wagoneer? Was that what they were talking about calling the 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 re, regurgence of uh, of that vehicle that well, they decided there, there the Grand some, Wagoneer, I think, is what it was. There were some names that were getting flown uh, uh, thrown around a little bit when the 2005 concept came out. It, is this going to be production? Are they going to take this seriously? Is this going to be the new Jeep pickup? Mm -hmm. And there was a bunch of speculation that went around with that as well, including diesel options, which were obviously not on the radar until you know a decade plus later. So, um, really, there was there was a lot going on back then. But if you remember, I mean, 2005, this is a little bit before, you know, the internet that we know now today. Right. I mean, 13 years ago, a lot was different as far as information technology goes. Um, so, what was out, what was being shared, uh, what was being leaked, and what was being rumored was, you know, quite a bit different and took a lot longer to circulate than it did nowadays. Well, I, if nothing else, I do remember hearing that name, and I'm a little surprised they went with that. I, I'm assuming that nobody has released any information as to why the decision was to go with that name. I'm going to guess it's because of the 2005 concept. They already sort of had this in the back, you know, wow, on the back burner. Time. It is a long time to hold on to something that you had named 13 years ago. I mean, come on, it, it, don't hold on to it with death grip over that much <laughs> period of time. When you have, when you have so much of your fan base of, of the people who make you the company that you are screaming that, you know, yeah, scrambler, yes, pickup, yes, diesel, yes, you know, and it was all, you know, kind of associated around that scrambler name and then to completely do a left turn and go back 13 years to yesteryear of a name that you was being juggled around on a concept. Now, come on. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's just not a good move by FCA. I'm wondering if uh, maybe there wasn't a phone call from Sergio to Mike Manley and said, look, uh, I don't think this, this uh, surgery is going to go bad, but in case it does, you got to do one oh, thing geez. for me. <laughs> Gladiator. 
<laughs> it was the medication, Mike. It was the medication. <laughs> no, I don't think this is uh, really is uh, Mike Manley's call on this. I, I don't think it's going to be coming down to him. I think this was a decision that was made many, many oh, years I think ago. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, it's sort of, despite everything that was on the internet, despite everything in the Jeep community that was screaming, you know, this other name, they already sort of had their feet in the pool of this gladiator name. So they're like, well, we're already here. Let's just go with this now. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, we could speculate all day long, but in either, either way, it's, it's going to be a name that we're going to have to grow on. So Tammy, hey, if, uh, if, hey. the, if the Jeep talk show gets really popular and we get lots of money and we were to get you, buy you one of these gladiators, could we get you to dress up in a gladiator outfit and, uh, for some, for a photo shoot with, sure. with, the, with the truck? Are you sure. not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's because of the rocks new show. And they're like trying because, you know, those gladiator shows are like in right now. Oh, he's so. in a gladiator show? Is this oh, that's he, right. No, he, he hosts a show where these people do these bad ass um, muscle, you know, strength obstacle course thing. Oh, because okay. oh. I know uh, they were talking about remaking American Gladiator, the, a TV show from the yeah, 80s and 90s. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not so. Dwayne, you need to make better choices. I'd rather see you doing action movies, dude. No, I know, he's I know the money host. talks. Huh? He's the host. Yeah, he's that's what I'm host. saying. I figured yeah. he was. So that's my only thinking behind it, but yeah. I'm probably wrong. Well, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you guys know that I absolutely love a feel good Jeep story. Now, each and every week, your submissions and my research finds all kinds of Jeep or off road related stories. And honestly, I, I wish I could share them all with you. But I have to narrow it down to just two or three uh, and, you know, pick them all for each and every episode. When I saw this one, though, I immediately knew that it was going to go into this week's show. They say that one man can make a difference. All you need to do is believe. Well, one man has taken this to heart and devoting his time to putting a special gift underneath as many kids' Christmas trees this year as he can. Nelson Sadler is the founder of Blue Ridge Jeep Club helping less fortunate kids in Southern West Virginia and Eastern Virginia receive an extra special gift for Christmas. This year, Sadler wants to ensure any child in need can have at least one special gift this year, their own bicycle. The Blue Ridge Jeep Club is asking anyone with bikes that they don't use, don't need, or that have been outgrown to consider giving to a child in need this holiday season. The club has already, already received its first two bikes for kids, and they came from, check this out, Mercer County Commissioner Gene Buckner. Some of these kids have no help. I love to donate to help and help families that need it, said Commissioner Buckner. Some kids are just lucky to get a pack of socks and underwear for Christmas, said Sadler. This is just something that my Jeep club can do for children in this area. Anyone who's interested in receiving a bike from the Jeep group must fill out an application at the Bluefield Salvation Army or the Bluefield Union Mission. For more information about the club, or if you would like to reach out to Nelson Sadler and help him out with a donation, or maybe three, then just do a search for Blue Ridge Jeep Club, or we'll have a link to the club's Facebook page in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> so I'm sorry. It is a feel-good story, but when you said <laughs> some kids are just lucky to get a pack, I'm thinking, of cigarettes? <laughs> I think I was... <laughs> I think it was flashing back to the breakfast club because, you know, the word club is in here, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, great. No, no, I no love pack, that. No pack of Marlboros for the miners. No, not this year. Anyways. No, not officially. Yeah, yeah this is, a, this is a, an awesome thing this guy is doing. I mean, taking it upon himself, um, you know, with his Jeep club is saying, we've got to do this. 
let's do this, let's make this happen, got <laughs> really got the attention of you know a city commissioner um, to, to join in on the on the uh, on this. I mean, so that's I mean, it's just just awesome the way that it this is. is happening, the way that it's starting off. I, I foresee this guy. I, I really hope that that he and his club spend half of Christmas just delivering a hundred bicycles. I, I that's my number. I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that you guys out there listening to this show. Yeah, we'll come through uh, and help out the Blue Ridge Jeep Club, um, donate a bicycle or two or three, whatever you can do uh, to help these kids out. Uh, they really need it. And this guy's doing an awesome thing. Uh, and when I hear about Jeep Clubs uh, getting into charity of this nature and, and of this scope, uh, it just it just warms my heart. So, uh, hey, man, uh, if you're listening, uh, really help this guy out. And uh, Sadler, if you're listening, man, more power to you. Good job. Makes me feel bad and jealous. This makes me feel like a selfish slug because I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, I just didn't think about it. Well, hey, if you guys have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, maybe a charity that's coming up you want to let us know about, well, make sure to let us know whatever you have to say by phone or by email. You can do it either way. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, and coming up here a little bit later in the show, interview with Dave Ludington, the owner of JustJeepAndStuff.com. He's got an awesome rack that he's going to share with us. And now it's time for some Radio Com Tech. Well, we're going to continue our series of uh, DMR Radio, which is ham radio. It's kind of a digital way of talking uh, on the ham bands. And uh, we're joined again tonight with uh, Josh. You may know him as Hosh Nasi. It's uh, his nickname and also to his YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash H-O-S-N-A-S-I. Go over there and check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll confess that he is the reason his YouTube video, or uh, one of them anyway, uh, was the reason why I bought the DMR radio that I have and actually decided to go ahead and give it a chance because uh, it's a little confusing with all the digital modes that are out there. And uh, DMR sounded like it was the, the way to go for me, and I've been really happy with it. Josh, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, it was a lot of fun the last time. Hopefully that was a little bit insightful for people and got the itch to learn more. <laughs> I hope they were going, they weren't going, what the, what the hell what, is this that? nerd? Who let this nerd in this show? Oh, I love the nerd stuff. And I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of nerdy people out there. They're just, uh, you know, under the covers and uh, shy not to let their nerdiness out, but they can, they can listen and, and uh, be, you know, let their inner nerd uh, blossom on uh, uh, podcasts. So yeah, nerd's cool now, right? Are yeah, that's right. All the ways? Is that how that works <laughs> so uh I, I was thinking this week it might be a good idea we touched a little bit uh, of the on this uh, last uh, segment the first segment we did last week but uh, i'd like to talk a little bit more in depth about why dmr is better than cb radio you know jeepers uh are the majority of them are on cb uh some of them get on the uh, family radio service uh, uh radios which i think are very limited uh, but but at least they understand that they can have communication with a handheld device, which is very uh, yep. something I think very common with DMR. So uh, let's just I'll just let you give you the reins and let you t- take off. Why is DMR better than CB, or is it? Yeah, so this is a good jumping off point because everybody kind of understands what a CB radio is. I, I don't have a Jeep. I have an Xterra Pro 4X, and when I started out, first thing I was like, well, I got to get a CB in this and a PA yeah. and all that good stuff. Exactly. So. Yeah, went out and installed it, you know, did all the routing of wires, learned how to do that. I actually have a video on it uh, that's up on YouTube. But I started using it and I started getting felt. And, and again, I was a ham at this point. So I already understood how frequencies work and all that stuff. And I started realizing, I was like, well, this is kind of limited. 
I, I have, a, you know, a couple of channels at my disposal and either the channel's completely dead or it's full of people just screaming at each other <laughs> yeah. and, and literally, literally screaming at each uh -huh. other. And, and important thing to note too is a lot of people that are on CW are using way more power than is like legally allowed. So they're trying to kind of own the channel and that's in Southern California where, where I live. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it just kind of wasn't that useful. And I, I had gone off-roading a couple times with some buddies and we were just kind of like, well, yeah, we've got this channel, works okay, we're, we're working local comms, that's fine. But then, you know, on the way home, whatever, couldn't really talk to each other as you start getting further away. And, and partially, you know, we can talk a little bit about this, but um, there's a sun cycle. The sun goes through these 11-year cycles. And as I mentioned in the last time we talked, uh, 11 meters is the frequency space that, that CB operates on. And it's pretty poor right now from the sun cycle. So that mm -hmm. means that really CB is only going to be good when you're close in. They call that kind of ground wave propagation where the RF is literally just tracking along the ground to all the different receiving sites or whomever's in the loop kind of there. Now, DMR um, has all that local comms capability, whether you're working and you could be doing analog, right? Because all the radios we talked about the last time, they also support analog. The addition, though, with DMR is that, like I mentioned, Swiss Army knives, you get the added ability to work repeaters, which are everywhere. There's no CB repeaters, really. Um, you get the capability to, to connect to a repeater, amplify your signal, and really get out there, right? And that allows you to reach hundreds of people, if not more, depending on how popular a repeater is and, and who's listening. So from a standpoint of local comms, you've got that covered when you're kind of out there wheeling. And when you're driving around alone, you can talk to people that are huge, that are all in your area, amplified, sounds really good. But then DMR adds the ability to use talk groups. And talk groups are kind of like radio chat rooms, if you will. So we call it TAC310, which is probably the most populated talk group at any one time. And you could be talking to people all over the country via the repeater or hotspot that you're using. So basically, your radio RF out to the repeater, which then connects to the internet, or RF out to the hotspot, which connects to the internet. At that point, you're just going to use your radio to go join TAC310, and there you get connected via the power of the internet to everybody else that's talking on that talk group. This is way beyond what's capable with a CB. So multiple layers of functionality and, and cool stuff you can do with a DMR over a CB in that example. Yep, exactly. Now, I guess technically it would be possible to do this, uh, to connect the CB up uh, to the internet. Uh, since CB is also analog, you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have these talk groups like what you could have uh, with, uh, with DMR. But, uh, and, and I actually, I was going to say it's illegal, but I guess it's not since it's going across the internet. Uh, it might be coming out on the other side, but generally speaking, you don't see people with the technical abilities spending their time on CB. They they generally go into ham radio and do it there, where experimentation is uh, is encouraged. So uh, I, I just want to make sure that you understand that technically it would be possible, but it's nobody's doing it, or if they are, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not much of a CB or I didn't come up in radio actually using CB like a lot of people did. 
there are restrictions on CV. There, there are legal restrictions that are set forth by the FCC that we're supposed to abide by, even though a lot of people don't, like I mentioned with the power. Right. So while, yes, it's technically possible, I don't know if it's legal. It might not even be legal, but technically, yes. Um, but again, you mentioned ham radio. Ham radio is built on experimentation. So things like DMR exist because we shoehorned that's that corporate business spec of, of radio usage into the ham radio space. So we kind of find things we like in amateur radio and we co-op them and make them our, our own, if you will. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I think uh, is worth mentioning here is not only do you not have to deal with you uh, during peak sunspot cycles, a lot of uh, noise from people running too much power over amplified microphones and that beloved Roger beep. Uh, hmm. <laughs> you, uh, you, it's a very clear audio because it's digital. So you're only going to be hearing the audio that's being sent. You're not going to be hearing any crash noises that you might hear from lightning bolts in the area, thunderstorms and whatnot. You, you're going to just be hearing the audio that the person is sending to you. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. So, so it's, it's very clear and you, uh, you have a squelch you can actually use. Uh, and CB radio, because of the nature of uh, signals going up and down, depending on distance and uh, antenna position or what might be between your antenna and the transmitting station, uh, that squelch may not be open, uh, may not open, you may not hear them. Uh, with uh, DMR, you can have the same type of issues, but not nearly as bad. So whenever the radio, basically what I'm trying to tell you is, you can be driving along in your Jeep, listening to the good time radio, the music, or maybe the Jeep talk show podcast, and you have your DMR radio sitting there with nothing going on until somebody talks and you hear them loudly and clearly, not something that you have to do anything, uh, you know, to wiggle any knobs or <laughs> anything like that. So the, the, the quality of the signal is so good. And I, I just can't, uh, I, I just can't stress that enough. CB is horrible because <laughs> it's AM amplitude modulation and yep. the, and it, potentially there's so many people uh, on there or there's a thunderstorm in the area which is going to cause a lot of noise yeah i mean let's double down on that a little bit so cb we mentioned channelized right to be very you know clear in the understanding the dmr radios the the first ones at least and, and where most of the action is on 70 centimeters and that exists in the space of 420 through 450 megahertz now the radios step in in hertz so for example, we could be on 420.122. That's just a number, right? Mm -hmm. Then I could change that to 428 or 445. And those are, are, think of them like hundreds of channels. So if you're out, I think we used this example when we were talking earlier, if you're in an event or whatever, you can make a little card that says everybody that's involved in organizing, you know, the event, whatever, be on uh, four whatever 440 right an amateur radio frequency um that that's acceptable right so everybody else could be on 446 447 448 etc and so you get many 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 more channels so it's not that it's private because anybody can listen on to you at, at any time but you could just if, if somebody's you know being loud or whatever here you can just slide over to many other frequencies and and be in no one's way and really no one would really know you're there yeah, that's one of the the huge benefits of of amateur radio is literally the 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 space, the landscape that you have available to you. 
Uh, and I know some of you guys that uh, are currently CBers that you've noticed that whenever you're on one channel and you're very close to somebody else, maybe at a Jeep meet or something, and, or even on the trail, and you're very close to that Jeeper while they're transmitting, you're hearing all this this uh, hash. This You can hear kind of like somebody talking, but you're hearing yep. this. You, you can't really understand it, but you know it's somebody talking because they're too close to you. Well, we're talking about frequency uh, distances that are so great, it's unlikely that you're going to hear that same type thing on uh, these DMR radios, whether it's digital, certainly probably not digital at all, uh, but even on analog, you probably won't notice it if the frequencies that you're using are far enough apart. It's it's just so much more things that you can do with it. Yeah, and I mean, if you have a talk group set up just for your buddies or whatever, call you know, make it whatever you want. You've programmed the radios beforehand, and you work in simplex. The radio will just ignore everything else that it picks up. It will only let your buddies through and the people that are keyed to uh, talk on that talk group, right? So another advantage there. Now, of course, you can always just go back to analog. Again, another advantage. And if you needed help, needed emergency support, whatever, you've got that capability too. Um, You know, a really important point though, too, I, I didn't really touch on this the last time, is your antennas, right? The physical installation of a lot of this, these radios, it's going to be different for CB versus um, DMR, for example, and, and sticking with the 70 centimeter track. It's really easy to just take a simple little um, couple foot long, not even that, mount it to the side of your Jeep, or I know you got the roll bars there. You can get a roll bar mount or a bar mount, and you can set it up that way. It's really easy to install um the, uh, an antenna for ham radio, particularly what we call VHF, UHF, 2 meter, 70 centimeter. And DMR would just ride perfectly on that. CB is a lot more hard to do. Yep, antennas are quite a bit longer. And then uh, anytime that you go something with an antenna that's shorter than a quarter wave, uh, you start having issues with uh, the uh, the receive, how, how strong the receive is coming in, and really hurts your transmit. Antenna systems were probably the, the most important and most neglected thing uh, by, uh, by uh, new people that are into radio, uh, the transmitting portions of it. I don't know about you, Josh, but it, it, I just cringe anytime I see a Jeep uh, or any vehicle that have those little bitty rubber duck antennas. Uh, where they've taken off the factory uh, antenna off their uh, off their their car or truck and putting these little bitty <laughs> things, and they work yeah. they work perfectly fine if you're within a certain distance of that fifty thousand watt radio station. But if you get if you get too far away, you're going to have a hard time picking it up. And it, you know, generally, yep. you can think of it this way: if it's an emergency situation and you're evacuating and you really want to be able to hear those news alerts. And you're getting further away from the, the big city, chances are you're not going to be able to hear it because of that little bitty crappy antenna. Antennas are important. So, anyway, we'll wrap it up there with uh, me telling you to get off your lawn and get a bigger antenna. So, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> Piss thank, off your neighbors. Yes, yes, very much. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us here uh, tonight, Josh. And uh, we're going to do a, a few more segments and a little, little information. Um, uh, I think next time we can talk about getting started on DMR. All right, that's lots of options there. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, it's uh, getting darker earlier every week, so to help you see the road better, we've got a headlight mod for all you TJ and LJ Wrangler owners out there. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, did you check out the latest submission over at the 4x4 Radio Network this week? The next time that you're online, just head over to 4x4radionetwork.com. All one word. You'll see the Jeep Talk Show there, of course, but we've got you covered no matter what you drive off-road. Listen to the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, Trail Chasers podcast is there, the On the Trail podcast too. It's all for free. 
all in one place. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. Hi, guys. This is Rodney with Jeepers Outpost. Just a little quick story for you. Back in uh, 1987, I joined the Army. Uh, I went through my training, and I went to a station. My permanent duty station was Fort Seal, Oklahoma. Now, the Fort Seal, what they did, they, one of the things they did was they, they tested some copperhead missiles they had. They, they were laser-guided missiles. Uh, the, what they tested those with is they would have us as, as private. They had us drive. Oh, where, drive where'd he what? go? <laughs> I think, I think the security man, the security uh, guy stepped in and cut that call. <laughs> yeah, the NSA was just is like, guy- uh, no, uh, <laughs> you can't <laughs> talk t- about that. <laughs> Did they take him to Guantanamo Bay? I hope not. <laughs> well, I think he ordered uh, charges himself, so they got something coming if they think they're going to get anything out of him that way. Oh, Rodney, you got to call back, man. Uh, I want to hear that story. <laughs> Sounds like it was getting good. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, <laughs> shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. Okay, I feel like Tony and his heat issue. It's Tammy and her rust issue. Rust yes. again? Uh, yes. you, you've got like seven more episodes, Tammy. It's easy. Next thing you know, this huh? is going to be another one of those top fives. Well, it, this kind of is. <laughs> um, so, you know, I talked about taking care of the rust of my undercarriage and um, I said I need to work on my bumper next, and I've gotten so many suggestions about what I should do. You know, take your bumper off, sandblast it, and then, you know, powder coat it, or take all the powder coat off and bedline it, and use this product and that product. And, you know, it's, I would love just, or actually somebody I was wheeling with in URA said, here, and sent me a link to a Genrite aluminum bumper. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty nice. <laughs> One thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'd love to do all that, but you know, I I don't have enough Legos to sell to make up for all that. Um, so I have a budget that I need to stick with, especially with Christmas coming around. So this is rust removal on a budget in five easy steps. Now. The tools that I used was a wire, a wire brush, a scraper, sandpaper, a sander, and a grinder. And in my video last spring where I did my top five products I was testing out from suggestions from Jeepers, and one of them was this Scotch-Brite paint and rust stripper. And what it does is it attaches to your power drill. And I didn't even test it out because it scared me. And I'm like, I'm not even going there because power tools kind of scare me. So this time I'm like, I've got to do something. So I used this to try to get rid of the rust, which by the way, this, it was, I don't know why I was so scared. It was no big deal. So I think I'm going to step it up a notch this spring. Hopefully I don't have to, but Tony suggested um, a grinder, which we use those at work. And those things are pretty kick butt. So, which I'm going to be saving money for all season, all winter season. Anyway, so the other thing, the other tools you need I used was called POR15, which I mentioned, and it's a stop rust kit. And 
what the five steps are. First, get the rust off. Second, degrease. Three, metal prep. Four, paint with a POR. And then paint with a top coat. So this POR kit, I got at a local hardware store just down the street, and it was $22, but I found that you could get it for $18 and free shipping on Amazon. And it's called the POR Stop Rust Kit. And the kit uses a three-step process, but I added two other steps. And this kit includes everything you need to complete the job in one sitting, but you got to make sure you use it correctly. And what this kit does is it creates a non-porous surface that seals and protects the metal from the water, the chemicals, the salt, and other uh, corrosive contaminants. And this little kit is ideal for small projects like my bumper, and there's enough of this product to cover six square feet with two coats. So what I did is I scraped and um, sanded and I tried to get off as much rust as I could and I think that's where my mistake was last time because when I the other products I read about last time it said you could just put it directly over the rust and it has like this chemical reaction but I just decided I'm getting rid of as much rust as I possibly could and I think if I would have had the grinder I could have probably got rid of more rust and taking off taking off more of the powder coat but I was on a time constraint because I did it this weekend um, the temperatures were dropping and the wintry mix was coming so I just did as much as I could on Saturday and Sunday and I got it pretty good and if you want to see the pictures they're on my social media sites on Instagram and Facebook and you can see all the rust and actually when Tony saw the pictures he was pretty pretty shocked oh i know how you are rust. tammy you can just complain about stuff and then I, when i saw the pictures i'm like holy moly that's a lot of rust yeah it got really bad this spring um so anyway i got rid of as much as i could and the first thing you put the first liquid you put on is you pour it in a squirt bottle and it's like a four to one ratio and you just squirt it and you keep it wet for like um, 15 minutes and what it is is a degreaser and while it was wet I still continued to um, use the wire brush to get into those little little um, dips into the in the bumper um, and then you do that and then you use the um, the metal prep and you spray again and that kind of turns like this powdery white color, which it's supposed to do. That's what it, I read. And I think that's the key to getting rid of the rust is proper um, prep and to protect that bare metal from um, getting future rust. So that's the second step. And then the third step, once that dried, you got to rinse these products off too. Um, so once that product um, dried then I used the POR 15 and it's like in a little little paint can and it's like this thick black paint um, so you just paint it on and you don't goop it on you just like a thin layer you let it get tacky and then you put your next layer on and then you wait for that to dry and this stuff is very UV UV sensitive I said that right, UV, right? The UV rays, yes. It's UV sensitive, so you need to add a top coat product. And like I said, I was under a huge time constraint. And at the time, all I had 
was my black matte, the Krylon Rust Enamel Spray Paint. So I sprayed that on. But a coworker suggested that I use an epoxy paint, which might be a little stronger paint for when I'm out wheeling and stuff. I didn't have enough time to research that or to find one that works. So as of right now, I just use the Krylon paint. So I'm hoping this works. We will see this fall. It's already had salt on it today from the salt dump. The bad thing is on the back side of my bumper, it's you, I could not use the paint stripper. I couldn't use the sander. All I could do was scrape and use the wire brush. And I didn't get time to do all this prep work on the inside. So right now it's just bare metal. It's supposed to be 50 degrees this weekend. So I'm hoping to get in there and do something to the inside of my bumper because it was just as bad as the outside. Then I'm going to spray the inside of my bumper with that fluid film to give it even extra protection. So um, I know a lot of folks say that it probably the reason my bumper is so bad is probably because of the cheap powder coat job that was done on it because the word is some of these bumpers I know but you all will have to watch my video this Sunday because these spots where this rust has started from you can see dents in my bumper you can see dings in my bumper some of the areas around the shackles um, where it's hitting the bumper. I think that has a lot to do with it too. I'm sure the prep has to do with it, but it's just, it's, it just seems kind of weird that all the spots that this is happening are where the bumper gets dinged. Now, if you look at the top of my bumper and what is it called? The bar part. What's that called? The bull bar? Brush guard. Is that what it is? Brush yeah. guard. Brush guard or bull bar. Sure. Yeah. Either yeah. Way. Um, totally nothing. Totally fine not anything, knock on wood. Um, so I think the dings have a lot to do with it. So anyway, fingers are crossed. It works. We'll know this spring and hopefully it'll be nice this weekend so I can finish up the inside of my bumper. And then I have to move on to the rear bumper. So a lot of work. So I'll, I'll say this, you, the, you're right. The powder coat may, may be just fine. Uh, and, and, and I can live with that. Maybe it is. And it just, you take damage because you actually use your, you use your Jeep off road and, and you get a little, a uh, little bit of damage there and the water gets in, salt gets in and then it starts. Uh, but, but I still maintain, don't get anything powder coated. Then you don't have to deal with this crap of getting the salt and the water under the powder coat. Powder coating is fine in some places, uh, but where you're going to be taking a lot of uh, hits and stuff, maybe not so much. Right. I, I will I agree with you on that. No, and for, yeah. for anybody out there who who doesn't know, pow powder coating is uh, is very 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 forgiving uh, to you know to uh, a lack of prep work, if you will. There is a certain amount of prep that you absolutely have to do with powder coating, but there's a lot that you can get away without doing as well. And not to mention, uh, you know, it doesn't go on well. It can go on thicker than paint. Typically, it doesn't go on thicker than paint in order to save money. Uh, powder coating dries extremely hard, um, and metal is also extremely hard. But you know, when you run that metal into a rock and it deforms, um, some of that metal gets pushed out into other areas. That metal is deformed, uh, and that super hard powder coating exterior uh, isn't 
flexible. It doesn't move with the metal. And so you're going to, you're going to get, you know, compromises in that, uh, th- that, that skin, if you will, in that, that powder coating, that outer layer. And, and all it takes is, I mean, a couple microns, I mean, j- literally a pinhole through that powder coat. And suddenly you get moisture that can seep in through that hole and underneath the, underneath the paint, underneath the powder coating and starts eating away that metal. And well, Tammy, that's, ex- it seems exactly right. what's happening in your case. Oh, Tammy, yeah. you mentioned something about uh, scrubbing the thing with a wire brush, and it, it made me think about little speckles and sprays of, uh, of, uh, of things getting on you. Did you wear any kind of special clothing? Was there anything about that said anything about clothing or maybe some uh, safety goggles and gloves and, uh, you know, gladiator wear that you needed to use while you were doing yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> I had, um, I did, I had, well, I had my glasses on because I needed to see. Um, <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, and... Um, one of them, I forget which one, if it was the degreaser or the other one, it was non-toxic, so you didn't you need to worry. But when I just wore my regular clothes, okay, um, and and no no ill clothes. effects so far, right? No, I'm uh, 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 uh. no, I'm, <laughs> no, I mean of the clothes. <laughs> yes, yes, no, everything. Somebody sending you home my from work saying and, you're not dressed appropriately, right. that type of thing. <laughs> my, my I can taste purple now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, no, Tammy, no, just Tammy, you your had, typical safety yeah. things. Tammy, you had Go. mentioned the uh, the 3M rust stripping pad uh, thing for the for your uh, for your grinder. Um, I actually have one. When you said you know I I was going to use that, but power tools scare me, and this thing looked pretty crazy. I was like. I've got one of those. Right. Um, you know, I know that uh, that you know the people uh, listening, uh, you know, can't see what I'm always up great in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, you know, for the sake of Tony, and I know that Tammy can't see my video either. But uh, yeah, just a little show and tell. That's I've, cool. I've got. I like that. I've got one. I've got. Well, I've got several of these things. Uh, I'm holding on to them uh, for uh, when I finally strip all that undercoating off should, of my unibody rails. Uh, should when we I tell put on the, my frame stiffener? Should we tell the people why you have one in your podcast studio? <laughs> Actually, well, while, while Tammy was uh, was uh, talking about oh. that, I ran out into the garage really quick gotcha. and, and, and grabbed it. So, yeah. Show and tell. Well, I think one of the reasons, I don't know, it just seemed kind of wimpy to me, but it's probably because I have a wimpy drill, maybe. Mm. I need a more powerful know. drill I, for it to turn faster. I don't know. Nah. Someone yeah, also dr- su- I think many, most any drill, especially if it's a power cord on it, uh, is more than adequate to do these yeah. things. Uh, mine was a battery, really? Really? battery operated. Yeah. Well, not not only that, um, the the angle of which you hold a drill is different than what you hold a a grinder at. You can't yep. get the kind of force. You don't you don't have as much leverage oh, on on that. So it, yes, technically it can work, but drills also typically don't have the RPMs that a grinder does. Uh, not to mention right. they, they typically don't have the torque either. So uh, especially in the higher yeah. especially in the yeah. higher RPM range. So uh, yeah, I, just you know take that. The grinder- I found that doing it on this on the side seemed to, to get more than pushing it the you know the front of it onto the mm-hmm. bumper. I felt like using the side. You just want to. You just want to have a light touch and watch it really carefully because right. you don't want to dig a groove into the metal, which you can do, and you can do it quite easily with a grinder. Uh, even though that's not a, a cutoff wheel, uh, <laughs> you, I mean, you literally can put a cutoff wheel on those things and cut through that bumper in uh, maybe a couple of minutes, seconds. Yeah. Right. Really? No, but I mean, actually, lop off oh, a, a, a piece cut it of it in half, yeah. but, but dig into it. Yeah, a, a fraction of a second. So you have to be very mindful of what you're doing there. I mean, it's it's really cool, and for fifty bucks, 
it's a wonderful tool, and you, and you will never have anything that will cut you so, cut yourself so easily oh, and quickly. Oh. <laughs> Thoroughly. That's all yes. I need to be fingerless. Hey, hey Tammy, uh, t- Tony is absolutely correct there. Great piece of advice. Uh, and all comes down to surface area. Um, you think yep. about, uh, you know, the, the edge of that, of that wheel, uh, that grinder, that disc, whatever, uh, has a much smaller surface area, much smaller contact patch than if you were to, you know, put it on its face uh, and use it that way. Um, typically you don't want to use the edge because of how aggressive it is, um, and how much force that you're pushing into with such a small area. When you push that force across the entire face of that disc, um, or your wire wheel or, or whatever you're using, um, you really, granted, you're going to have to put in a little bit more elbow grease. You're going to have to make, you know, put, make it work a little bit harder. Um, but ultimately you're going to be spending a little bit more time, but ultimately you're, you're going to be, uh, you're, you're going to have better results. Uh, because you're not digging into the metal, you're not going to be going through discs as fast, right. uh, all that sort of stuff. So you get a lot uh, uh, more consistent results, if you will. And, and I don't want to over, be overly cautious here. I'm sure Josh doesn't either. It's it's very easy to do. It's it's like second nature once, you, once you've started doing it and you see how it oh, works. Yeah. It's very yeah, simple. And you think to yourself, my God, why wasn't I doing uh, homework in school with this thing years ago? Right. I mean, so <laughs> right. much easier to do. Uh, but But if you are concerned about it uh, and are concerned about being injured with it, make sure that you wear proper heavily leathered gloves yeah. and maybe you can practice on a piece of metal that you have laying around or you can get a piece right. of metal. Uh, I'm sure it'd be really easy to find a rusty piece of metal in Maryland with all the salt and, yeah, and, and, and start off. Work. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Start off with that. And of course, I'm talking really to our listeners more than I am you, Tammy. That, that, you know, you can start off with that and then uh, get a good feel for what you're doing, and then move on to your, uh, you know, twelve hundred dollar aluminum bumper. Piece yeah. of metal. You're talking about that can of beans that you threw in the recycling <laughs> last night. Right. Seriously, flatten that yeah. thing out. Throw a couple coats of paint on it. Throw it in your vice. Screw it to your workbench. Whatever. Yeah. Get out that grinder that you've never used with that disc that you've never used, and figure it out. And trust me, a couple minutes is all you need, and you're going to know exactly what you need to do. And if you use a uh, full can of beans, you'll also have a hot <laughs> meal when you're done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um. Well, I will have, I'm working on editing the video, so I would love for you to watch my video. It'll, I usually post them Sunday afternoons, and maybe you guys have some tips on how to prep that metal to get it ready for the, the paint. Anyway, everybody cross your fingers, Tony and Josh, cross your fingers for the rest of the winter to make sure this is going to work. Um, uh, I think you're off to a so, good start, Tammy. The, yeah, what I've seen online we'll see. so far, what you've done recently, I think you're you're heading the right direction. So anyway, we will see because the, they've already dumped tons of salt on the road and more is to come. Um, coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Nikki G. And I think he... Um, I think he's making a call to Jeep. I told right. him not to do that. Oh, no. Uh-huh. God, we're going to get sued. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Jeep Talk Show. It's Nate. I uh, just listened to Tammy's review of the ProClip uh, dash mounts or mounting systems for her Jeep uh, on one of your recent episodes. I think I'm weak behind. Anyway, um... You guys were questioning the the quality and the um, uh, the rigidity of these mounts. Uh, I've used them for years. I had one. I think 2013 is the first time I, I bought uh, ProClip, and they are nice, sturdy, durable mounts. 
And if you do break one through normal use, just by having it attached to your dash, they have awesome customer service. I, I had one replaced because there's, so when you mount it to the dash, there's like an adhesive that you peel off the backing and it sticks so that it's nice and solid. And um, when I installed mine, the the adhesive didn't adhere right to the dash on my TJ. And one of the, the sort of mounting hooks that, that it hooks into the dash seems with, uh, just over time from use, just cracked off, right? So I I wrote them. I sent them a picture of what happened, and pretty much no questions asked. They sent me a new uh, a new dash mount, which was pretty awesome. Um, awesome. It seems like they're they're pushing to a lot of us uh, Jeep folks. Uh, they also contacted me, and I did a, a blog and a video about an install of a tablet mount in a TJ. So uh, go ahead and check that out if you want to, or don't, whatever. Um, but I've been a longtime customer of theirs, and I, I like their stuff. It's it's good good uh, good quality stuff. And no, Tony, I don't think you can just print these on your 3D printer and make uh. your 30 bucks a pop and pay off your 3D printer. They're a little more than that. Not much more than that, but they take a little more engineering. So, uh, yeah, get back to your designs. All right. Uh, thanks for the show, guys, and uh, I'll chat with you some other time. Thanks. Bye. I love me some Nate. And speaking yeah. of Nate, I'm going to have to uh, call him out and call out our other caller. Uh, was it Rod, uh, Rod, Rodney? No. Rodney. Rodney, yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have to hook them up. We're going to give away the Jeep Adventure magazine to both of our callers this week. And remember, folks, we are giving away subscriptions each and every month to the world's most attractive Jeep magazine. Oh, what a nice magazine. Oh, God, this thing is beautiful. So, uh, yeah, Nate, you've got one coming to you. Uh, Rodney, you've got one coming to you this month. Uh, and for the next, uh, what, 12 months, Tony? That's this right. is a, It's an annual yeah, subscription. Oh, uh, annual subscription. And that's uh, six issues uh, per year. And uh, I know you guys are going, uh, where are you going to send it? Where are you going to send it? Well, I'll be in contact with you uh, via voicemail, email, or uh, semaphore. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to you. God, Rodney, we got to get you to call back and tell us that story, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll just interview him. Man. If, that's, that's what we got to do. If the MPs have released you, we would like to know the full story, <laughs> uh, even if you say I can't because my family's in danger. Right. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Last week, I teased that we have something special for this episode just for the TJ and LJ Wrangler guys, and I even promised that Tammy and her JKU wouldn't be left out either. However, the mod that I'm talking about that I'm going to teach you this week is going to apply just to any vehicle, really, from the 90s and early 2000s that has a 7-inch round headlight. The 7-inch round headlight has been used on Jeeps for many decades, and during that time, lighting technology has advanced quite a bit. I mean, LED lighting technology was still in its infantile R&D phases back when the TJ Wrangler hit the scene. I know, I know, you look at where we're at today with lighting and you begin to wonder how we made it by without for so many years. Well, we did it with what are called sealed beam headlights, and they're pretty much self-explanatory as to what they are. They're basically a sealed light bulb where the lens, the emitter, or the filament, the connection points, and the reflector are all in a single unit. This style of light uh, has been used since the late 1930s, utilizing a tungsten filament inside of a glass bulb with a reflector. Real basic, but really reliable and inexpensive, too. Brighter lighting debuted in the 1960s with the use of halogen bulbs. Since then, headlight te technology advancements have made leaps and bounds in improvements over time from those early year sealed beams. The aftermarket is now full of quality choices for those looking to add, improve, or increase forward illumination. 
Heck, even the sealed beams of today are better are a better choice than they were what was available 10 or 15 years ago with newer halogen and xenon gas technology. Okay, so now that the history lesson is over, let's get into the meat of this. As I stated, the details of this mod will apply specifically to the 1997 to 2006 Wrangler TJ or LJ models, regardless of trim level. And once you wrap your head around how easy this modification is, you might just kick yourself in the shorts for not thinking of it earlier. It's relatively easy to swap in the headlights of these year's Wranglers for ones from a 2007 to 2018 JKU or JK Wrangler. The factory 7-inch headlights with their replaceable H13 bulb assemblies are a perfect fit for the older Wranglers. The newer reflector design is a far is far superior to those found on earlier Jeeps. Not to mention that you know that used JK headlights are readily available from virtually any wrecking yard, body shop, or places like eBay or Craigslist for next to nothing. Now, this isn't exactly going to be as easy as plug and play. If it were, well, you probably would already know about it and you wouldn't hear me droning on about it. In fact, there are a few concerns that you might want to take into consideration before tackling this mod on your own Jeep. One concern that many people will immediately jump to is current draw. When changing to brighter bulbs, many worry about a potential for increased electrical current draw. While some people may be worried that replacing the lights may draw significantly more current than the original bulbs and overload the factory wiring harness. After digging around, I found that a JK headlight on low or on high beams draws about only about 4 to 6 amps of current, respectively. Uh, really, whether or not you blow, very similar to the numbers we see from OEM uh, sealed halogen bulbs. So the concern of whether or not you're going to blow a fuse is really a moot point. Really, you won't have to worry about wiring upgrades at all with this. The factory headlight wiring in your TJ or LJ is plenty capable of handling the newer model lights. So, there's a term that's going to be used a few times from this point forward, and unless you're a gearhead, you may not know what I'm talking about, so let me explain. Headlamp bulbs are classified into three groups. There are other classifications which are governed by the UN, oddly enough, which regulate things like output and usage, but we're going to keep things simple for the sake of this segment. The three main size of classifications of headlights are 9000 series, H series, and 800 series bulbs. Our Jeeps typically will use the H series of bulb. Okay, moving on. Once you have sourced the used JK lights, which are of the H13 variety, we can move on to the next step. The H13 light assemblies found in the JKs are a 7-inch round lens with a rear reflector that has an opening in the back of it. This opening, its lock tabs, and the associated bulb connector is what makes this an H13. The opening in the back of the housing is what gives you the ability to run any number of aftermarket bulb replacements. The major bulb suppliers manufacture bulbs with increased lighting output or other things for more downroad visibility without an appreciable increase in current draw. However, some of these bulbs tend to have a shorter lifespan than the standard bulbs because of how hot and bright they burn. There are also LED and HID bulbs on the market for those looking for a different lighting color or for even more light output. Now, like I said earlier, this isn't going to be exactly just plug and play. There will be some modifications that need to be made to the wiring, but trust me, it's very simple overall. In addition to the used H13 housings and bulbs from a JK, you will need to source two H13 headlight pigtails. These are just a length of wire that has the special H13 type connector at one end, that's going to be what connects to the light bulb, and the loose wires at the other end. The H13 pigtails can be cut from a junkyard vehicle or purchased from a local parts store or from rockauto.com using the Dorman part number 84785. You will need one for each side, so get two. The housings and wires will cost you less than 50 bucks overall, so don't think this is going to be a mod that's going to break the bank. The lenses will fit into the Jeep the same way the sealed beams do, so very easy install. But once installed, you'll never have to take them out again. 
Swapping a bulb is as simple now as popping the hood and twisting the old bulb out from the back of the reflector. Couldn't be easier. Newer bulb assembly provides a different, more modern look that owners of older Jeeps, well, they may or may not like, but one thing is going to be for certain. You will have a significantly increased your lighting coverage. Well, you may have to do a, qu a few quick tests with a voltmeter or a test light to confirm your wiring hookup when it comes to that point, making sure which connector lead was for which purpose, etc., etc. There's only three wires per side, and one of them is ground on each side, so the other two are either going to be low beam or high beam, and it should be easy to test for which one is which. You're going to cut the old sealed beam connector off of the factory wiring and splice in the new H13 pigtail that you just got. You're going to want to make sure that the connections you make are sealed with a heat shrink tubing and then tucked back into the factory split loom tubing for protection. Some of you may be yelling at me as this error saying that there are connector adapters on the market that would make this a lot easier and a true plug and play modification. And yes, ordinarily I would agree, but I personally prefer to hardwire the needed connector in for weather resistance and more importantly, reliability. But once you choose which way you go, once you're done, you will notice the JK headlights provide a much more even beam spread, and the tent seems marginally wider than the sealed beam halogen. It will be a lot easier to see objects on the road surface, and there will be a lot less glare overall. As mentioned, there are other replacement H13 bulbs on the market as well, depending on your specific lighting needs or driving conditions, so you can have a lot of fun actually researching what type of bulb will work best for your climate or driving conditions. Just make sure it's an H13. See, Tammy, I told you you wouldn't be left out, but don't blame me if you find that you're, you know, somebody has stolen your Jeep headlights. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shush, don't curse me like that. <laughs> no, no. It, 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 trust me, that's going to be that's gonna be impossible. It's not going to happen, but, uh, but I told you I wouldn't leave you out of the story altogether. Right. Well, I appreciate it. Tammy, in your growing list of uh, modifications that are coming to bite you back on the, the butt, uh, how's your, your headlight, winky headlight? Is it uh, been it's okay? a-okay knock on wood so far yeah good the thing the thing is i have this other set of headlights that i bought because i thought they were bad and now i'm like torn do i mm. just leave the headlights alone or do i put these new 200 hundred dollar headlights in or put the new ones in i, I try them out definitely yeah. try them out tammy yep. try them out yeah. and if you don't like them or you decide to go a different route altogether well now you got something else that we can maybe right. um give to a listener or that you know right. you can uh, provide to another jeeper who's a little bit you right. know less fortunate and get them a nice mod or something like that or no, I don't know. I mean, you got a number of ways that we can go about it, but right. absolutely no, throw good. those in, yeah, see what they yeah. do for you and, uh, and let us know. And of course, Hey, you, the listener has anything to add to this story or this modification. Maybe you have a question for tech talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, boys and girls, we're back with another interview uh, here at the Jeep Talk Show. And uh, today we're going to be talking with Dave, and he is over at, uh, you know, Tammy, I'm going to get it wrong. I didn't have it in front of me. What's the name of the, the website again? 
Jeep N, the letter N, stuff, S-T-U-F-F, but just Jeep N stuff. <laughs> what F? <laughs> so Dave with JeepandStuff.com. And uh, uh, Dave reached out to us. Uh, actually, one of our past uh, interviewees uh, uh, recommended him to us. Uh, and uh, uh, I was just really impressed with the, the quality of uh, what I was seeing there online with these uh, great roof racks. Dave, uh, now, how in the world did you just come up with, I mean, there's lots of people out there selling roof racks for, for Jeeps. Uh, how did it come up where you decided, you know, that's not good enough. I need to come up with my own. The, uh, the roof rack itself is basically uh, the footprint, the box anybody can build. Where I've kind of grown my fame is uh, the attachment system. My product is called the Weekender Series Cargo Roof Rack and Attachment Systems. And that's what, uh, when I sent my information into the uh, Brenton Productions that uh, runs the Just Jeep and, or the uh, uh, Truck U show, I drove down there to uh, Mooresville, North Carolina and pulled up in the parking lot and I thought this old fat guy was going to get out with <laughs> And next thing I know, I had nine guys and, and Art uh, Irwin, the production manager, they're all over it and I couldn't believe it. And, and uh, they gave me a contract uh, to be a feature on stall on uh, Truck U. Uh, that's wonderful. And uh, uh, is there is that a, like on uh, YouTube or something? Because we'd love to be able to have that uh, put that share that video or maybe a clip or something on it on our uh, in our show notes on our webpage. We do have the website or the uh, not addition to the website. Uh, we're, we have a website or a YouTube channel, and uh, we've only got a few posted on there. Uh, just trying to get more and more done, and and uh, the ones <laughs> I sent you earlier are just. You know, got accumulation of stuff we just need to get caught up on. But there's some basic stuff on there. We've got a good hookup with uh, my roof product along with uh, Best Top, uh, their top, their uh, Sunrider series folded down within the footprint of the Freedom Panels. And my roof rack starts at the Freedom Panels. So it's a great, I would call it my great weekend combination. The uh, Best Top uh, Sunrider, my weekender cargo rack. Let me let me ask you about the Truck U real quick. Uh, what was it like being on Truck U? And if you guys aren't familiar with it, Truck U is a a show on the Velocity Channel, uh, one of them one of them cable channels that uh, everybody you know talking about cutting the cord and stuff. This is one of the reasons why it's so hard to do because uh, I've watched Truck U before and it's a, a quite uh, interesting show. So, uh, what was it like being on that show? Fantastic. Uh, uh, so much build up and hype and nerves going down there. <laughs> Completely here. I, I live in a little town called Farmland, Indiana, and it's about as far away from uh, anything like that as, as there could be. And uh, got the got the deal for. I uh, just stumbled into it. They were looking for a roof rack system to put on one of the new JLs of the of the production company's uh, what they call them, the show mechanic, fellow named Mike Anderson. That, uh, that's his blue, ocean blue 2018 JL we put it on. Uh, he picked one of the, the newest colors, and we did the powder coat through uh, B&B Powder Coating here in Portland, Indiana. Took it down there. Uh, first time the two products were ever together, matched perfectly. The whole deal was uh, uh, phenomenal. Uh, all the people from Velocity and Benton Production down there just treated us great and uh, made a great uh, great opportunity and fast fantastic uh, deal for us 
So I got to ask you, how was the uh, the craft service there on the set? Did they have some pretty good food? <laughs> you know, I, I think they did. Uh, I was so nervous I couldn't eat anything. Yeah, but, I bet. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. So did you actually get to appear on the episode, or or did they just show your rack? No, between uh, I think Bruno and, and Ryan, they uh, did, uh, you know, we were in the, in the seats, between the scenes and everything, they stopped, every time they stopped, I got up and uh, we talked and they did things different uh, and, uh, you know, kind of corrected them, but there was a great, uh, no, there was no involvement uh, visually from myself uh, or any other person other than the two guys doing the install. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I'd kind of like it that way, you know, show my stuff, but don't show me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have a couple questions here. I'm, I'm looking at all these different racks and I'm guessing that you would need a hard top to go with these cargo racks. Is that correct? Currently there is. That's exactly right. And that's what my system is, uh, is kind of geared up. But I'm in the process of developing a, a market-only system to suspend my rack over uh, the TJ, the JK, and the new JL soft top. And uh, that's along with... Uh, I've got a, a kayak rack that I'm just now finishing and starting to sell, and and uh, it's my I call it my suspension system for the rack that we can enter over the typical soft top. Where a lot of the old guys, especially the TJs, a lot of the JKs, don't have the hard top. Right. And, uh, so that yeah, that that's that's a product that I've I've got prototypes made, and I'm making the brackets. And trying to get pieces welded up and start prototyping on a few uh, few projects, but that'll hopefully uh, in the next couple months I'll have a suspension system to put my roof rack over a soft top on a TJ, JK, and the new JL. And that would be pretty cool because right now my Jeep is just a soft top, yep. and I was I was looking at the close up of your your brackets there, and I was like, I wonder how that would work on a soft top. But I guess we're gonna have to wait. Yep. Would to you, see. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a it's a bracket that's double bent, and it goes into when the uh, with the bolt holes in those side rails. There's three of them. And right. The front one and the back one, and I've got a bracket that uh, bolts onto that that goes up, and then bends and bends back and and bolts right back into the same mounting hardware that I use for my brackets on the side. The back brackets over the brackets go into the hinge. Of course, there's no hinge there on yours. So all my suspension is done on the side. Pretty, it's kind of unique situation. Now, how much weight can those hold? I mean, like, can you put a, like a lot of stuff in there? Well, Jeep doesn't give you give me any information on the the supporting uh, ability of those fiberglass hardtop roofs. But in the getting to know the people up there, Jeep Mopar on telling them what they're doing, or accessing a set of hardware up on all the all the other competitor uh, roof racks, the attachment typically clamps on to those side rain channels, and those are just glued into the top. My suspension system, my attachment system, with some old engineering, I use a three by three square plate that is curved to mount on the side and uses partially uh, square inches in the roof to support it. And then my my clamp just clamps into the rain gutter 
as you can see. And basically all it does is to secure it, it doesn't bear, it doesn't carry weight on the roof channel. And the, the typical weight of my racks weigh about 48 to 50 pounds. And the, the, uh, the sprung weight or the load carrying capacity um, is really unmeasured, but typically it's around 300 pounds, 295, 300 pounds. My Weekender series is geared for the people that uh, drive their Jeep all week, want to come home, uh, take the grandkids, throw some fishing poles, a tent, stuff, take off and go, have a good weekend, come back Monday morning, Sunday afternoon, hose it off, get back in it. Mm -hmm. So the guys that have the big over-the-top uh, suspension systems that go from the taillight all the way over and over the windshield, uh, they're impractical, they're very expensive, and you can't remove the freedom panels once those are on. All my racks provide access to where the freedom panels can be removed, and even some of them with the all the four-door uh, uh, roof systems work with the desktop uh, Sunrider system where it doesn't interfere with the freedom panel replacement or removal or the, uh, the desktop system installed. So it's two different markets. Um, but it's the capacity of the, the top is the restriction. So I say, you know, there's no test on it. Nobody can really, you know, Jeep doesn't give that data. The only thing they do is I give them all my, gave them all my information. They say, well, you know, you're, you're under the curve, you know, good luck. And that's where it is. But I just say, you know, light load, uh, probably 250, 300 pounds. I've had people put dresser drawers, plywood, hmm. um, moving, moving college students up there, people standing on them, putting tires up. It's all structural steel. It's all uh, uh, bent through a, uh, a draw bender. It's all welded. Um, the, the steel deflection is less than what the distance is between the bottom of the steel and the top. So I don't think that anything is ever going to bend it far enough, even though I had a guy put a, a two 150-pound uh, off-road tires right in the middle of it. And he said going down the road, he had a thump. And he got up there, and both of them were right in the middle of the, of the rack. So extreme <laughs> circumstances, you know, anybody's going to do something, but it's not going to break. Now, I... I was going to ask you what it was made of, but you just um, told us that. So I see there's some that are different colors. Do you, can you do custom colors, is, or are there just specific colors that you sell? Well, the the range of powder coating is is worse than wallpaper. There's thousands <laughs> of colors. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, if you if you go into a beauty salon once your once your lips uh, uh, lipstick, uh, you've got a whole I stick with basically the current year colors, which is now the 1918. Ah, okay. Along with, I go back uh, two to three years that we, we do, the standard color is the colors. Uh, I have about 31 to, to 35 colors that are readily available. Now, just like on that pig Jeep that I was talking to, that I sent the copy of uh, information to Tony. Um, Wayne's Jeep, we picked out a custom series it's called Raspberry. It's actually a translucent raspberry that actually matches one of his colors in the winged warrior Jeep. 
and that's a color that is put over a chrome base that's a translucent then with a with a fourth coat over the top of it and it just pops we can do about anything um but i i have a category of of saying that i we match the basic colors from most of the wranglers from probably about 99 through current uh with about 31 to 35 colors readily available and that's what my pricing is based off of but if somebody wants to match a powder coat powder coat and paint don't match specifically right. time because they can't fade powder coat right it is, it is what it is so if you go on Prismatic's website and pick out a color, there may be an, a, an additional charge because the way my powder coater has to buy it in that volume, like he has to buy like an eight pound minimum, but we can powder coat it to about any color you want beyond the scope of what I call my standard colors. So it's unlimited to a point, but focused on the current and two years back, of the Wrangler colors offered by Mopar Jeep uh, as their standard color line. So let me ask what is probably a dumb question, and I think you've already uh, answered this uh, somewhat. Um, just for the folks out there that don't have a rack, think they may want one because they've seen them on other vehicles, other Jeeps. What's a good reason for having a rack on top of your Jeep? Well, to be honest with you, um, most people, I, I spent so much time designing the, 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 the rack and the attachment system to be easy on, easy off, no tools required, no modification at all to any of the Wrangler hardtop vehicles. So when people buy them, it's almost like they're aesthetically so well fitted to the, to the Wranglers, especially the JKUs, the four-doors that nobody takes them off. And they're, uh, I, I've probably asked many, many guys, many, many people that buy them to send me pictures of what they're hauling with them and what they're doing with them. And <laughs> it's like it's like an attachment, an accessory. It's a complimentary. They're, they're so well proportioned. It looks so damn good on, on the Wranglers that, you know, even the black, the standard black that matches the, the standard black top, then we get into the colors, just like you see there with Mike's on his uh, uh, 18 JKU with that ocean blue mm -hmm. with the illusion finish. Help! They put lights on it, but nobody hauls anything on it. It's like an it's like an uh, it's like a new it's like a aesthetically it just adds you know a yeah. little bit of that macho uh, off with <laughs> off road. It's but, it's it's there in case you want to, or maybe you want to stick a shovel or a uh, an axe on the great. side of it. Um, <laughs> But uh, I would assume that it's like what you said, where people can haul things if they're moving somebody yeah. up to their college dorm or, you know, just any time that you need to haul something and you don't have physical room inside the Jeep, you could actually put it up there. And and, and I've, you don't you weren't able to give us an exact uh, weight amount that you could carry, but you did say that somebody had uh, carried a 250-pound uh, spare tire. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, they're... they're Structurally, they're adequate to carry about a uh, uniform load of about, well, I'll say 300 pounds, and that's that's about, there are a couple companies that rate them at 300 pounds, uh, and they're, nothing's been ever tested on any of them, and their products use the rain gutter to, su to support that. I use square inches at the top, so I know that 
you know, just like the people in Jeep, that's the first time they've ever seen that. So I know structurally 300 pounds is a good, safe, you know, uh, number. Um, the other thing I've just started making is kayak racks. They're just like on uh, Tammy's Jeep, that, that JK, it's uh, the typical uh, uh, weekender rack is 53 inches wide by 58 inches long, which goes from the back of the freedom panel to the back where the, the uh, hinges suspended. On my kayak rack, it's the same starting point at the back where the hinges are, all the way up to an inch beyond the windshield frame. It makes it 98 uh, inches long, 53 inches wide. And they go to the Amazon or someplace and buy the uh, set of the, of the kayak holders that uh, carry two kayaks on the top of it strap them on there, they bolt on. That carries two of the kayaks. I didn't send you those pictures and all the stuff I sent you tonight, Tony, but I will. Okay. But the, uh, the nice thing about that is the rack is built the same way. It's all structural steel. It's got the same attachment system. I just add additional brackets for the length of the rack, and people take that. They take the, the elevated uh, kayak brackets off of it, and that gives them a 53-inch by 8-foot flat deck. And they can go to Lowe's or someplace and buy two or three sheets of plywood, a few pieces of two or four. And I say, you know, right there, how many Jeeps have you seen now with an 8-foot bed on top? It'll carry three sheets of plywood and half a dozen two before it's home from Lowe's uh, instead of a pickup truck. Yep, good point. And uh, certainly people uh, uh, can, can use their Jeep for things they would normally have to have a pickup truck for the, uh, using this then. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the first things I noticed whenever, uh, you know, we first started communicating was uh, the, the the connection, how you connected uh, the, uh, the, the rack to the top of the Jeep and uh, using the rain gutters. But it was a nice, big, wide piece of metal and uh, a, a hand uh, knob that you would actually screw down. Uh, and that really impressed me because it looked like it was like what you were saying earlier, designed to be easy on, easy off, and uh, no special tool, tools required. Uh, now, the one question I did have about it, though, is is that do you have any issues with uh, that grapple system, that connection system, uh, wearing any into the paint, uh, causing a problem with the, the finish? Is there anything on the back of that that keeps that from occurring? I use uh, locally here, there's a company that sells. Uh, uh, neoprene rubber uh, mats for industrial purposes. And I go out there and buy three different thicknesses and three foot wide rolls, 30, you know, 30 some feet long. And I cut them up into three inch square pieces. Every, every piece of hardware, I say every piece, except that uh, the side mount pieces that you're talking about that have the curvature that lay over the roof. Mm -hmm. I use a piece of uh, either 16th inch or three thirty seconds inch thick neoprene cut to three inch squares and they apply a stick on adhesive on the back so i cut them and each piece i send out has got that uh, neoprene on the back and then the piece that clamps over the gutter uh, i found another uh, type of uh, uh, rubber very sticky stuff that i wrap that where nothing none of the hardware comes in direct contact with the top and that goes through with the, the standard uh, top that has got the, the, the dull finish of the off, off black, the black textured flat finish and or the people that have the painted tops just like Mike shows in, the, in his Jeep. Nothing, nothing comes in contact 
not to say that, you know, depending on where and, and whatever, that there may be some uh, that have not had any complaints, have not had any, any there's nothing that, that uh, lets the hardware touch either a painted top or the, the standard uh, black top. Excellent. Well, that's a great answer. I was hoping you did something like that because, I mean, I know a lot of people out there go, it's a Jeep. You know, don't worry about it. It's going to get roughed up. But but there are some of us out there that like to know that we can put something on and it's not going to wear through the paint and uh, cause rusting issues down the road. So yeah. uh, I thought it was uh, an important thing to, to, to mention. Now, I believe you have some accessories that are available for this top. We do make, uh, I've got uh, some simple, uh, here again, I, I used uh, a clamp and a, a through bolt with a knob for uh, being able to attach several brackets to the side. I've discovered a company called Fast Grip that makes a bracket, just a rubber uh, uh, suspension or a rubber grip thing that I've adapted a bracket to to where I supply the metal bracket that clamps to the rack, and then uh, Fast Grip has a series of neoprene thick rubber pullover strap. Uh, if you look on my on my site, uh, where I've got an axe on one side and a small shovel on the other, I make the bracket to fit my rack, and then the simplest. Uh, way to attach a tool or a jack or whatever other equipment they want is to get on their site and you can order off their site or they're commonly sold by the four four parts uh, uh, stores all over the country but that that combination per bracket is about probably half what most of the other clamp brackets are that are made for other people's racks that are more complex. And here again, it's a simple system. You, you put a through bolt through, you use a clamp, it goes on. And then the fast, uh, the fast grip deal is just a matter of uh, just sticking it on there, pulling the strap over and you're connected and you're ready to go. The simplest thing, the most affordable system I could I could find to put together. Yeah, it, it, well, it certainly looks like it's uh, exactly that. Uh, it gets the job done, and it yeah. looks like it's very well put together. Now, uh, I was looking back, uh, trying to do a little search in here on the internet. Uh, it looks like your uh, Truck U appearance, or the appearance for your product on Truck U, was, uh, was it back in April uh, that that was on? Uh, we filmed it the 27th of June down in uh, Tampa, Florida, Brenton Studios in Tampa. And it aired, the first airing was September the 9th. And then the next week, that was the premiere the, on Sunday, uh, Eastern Standard Time on Velocity. Okay. Uh, the first airing. And then it, it airs eight more times throughout this, the balance of this year. And up through, I think, uh, last show was in February of 19, as it goes through the cycle of the of the first season, sure. The way they the way they run that, and then from that it'll get about anywhere from ten to twenty more airings. As wow, as, so there'll be lots the of uh, lots of opportunities for people to see yeah. it. Now yeah, uh, is now I, now I wasn't quite sure. Did you say that this was uh, available on your website to see or on YouTube to see, or do people need to catch it on Velocity if they want to see it? 
Well, the only thing that I captured on my site is just my install, which is about four and a half minutes. Okay. Well, so the the, the best part of the show is is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that, well, that in Rough Country did uh did the lift, and then they put the my rack on. Ah. But, okay. Uh, on my website in my uh, uh, on one of my pages, it gives the schedule of all the uh, first eight of the truck you oh uh, perfect yeah and and the the website there again is where www.justcheapandstuff.com and if i remember rightly you're working on some uh some of the other other social media stuff but it's not quite ready yet folks so if you're going to want to go and uh, get in contact with dave or see some of his great products over there including accessories uh for this really nice rack you just go to uh justjeepinstuff.com that link will be in our show notes uh, so you can just run over there to jeeptalkshow.com and get that click and it'll take you right over there. Um, uh, Dave, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think that at some point you're going to get so popular and so many orders, you're going to be able to tell people, uh, you can have it in any color you want, as long as it's black. Well, <laughs> you know, that was, that was a big, uh, bridge to cross, but uh-huh. that is, that is one of the unique features about the weekender series. Yeah. We offer those colors, and that, that's a strong selling well, I, point. I think it's a great idea because I yep. mean, like, looking at this picture that uh, is in our show notes that we share between the hosts, uh, it, it's beautiful. That, that blue matches that JL just perfectly, and uh, it really looks sharp. It makes it look like a factory item. Well, B&B powder coating, not, not to put another plug in. That's but right. They, you've heard of uh, Mosher Racing Axles. Yep. Suspension system. They're they're based in Portland, Indiana. It's about 17 miles from where I live. And Bob does all exclusively of uh, Mosher's axles, in which all that is is uh, product under a car, under under a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So his process is a lot different and more thorough than probably a lot of other competitors, other powder cutters, because everything he does. Is made for durability, durability and show quality. On on my racks, especially when you get into the colors, the way those things are, just so bright and so popping. Yeah, they really are. So, yeah, he is so picky that that he'll redo a rack if it doesn't turn out to his specifications. Oh, and that's wonderful. Nobody, nobody has a better show finish on a product and what Bob does on uh, on his powder coating. So, sure, uh, sure sounds like you picked a great person to uh, do that uh, that work for you. So, well, Dave, we really appreciate you being with us here tonight, and uh, hopefully uh, the things will continue to grow and expand, and we would love to get you back as, uh, as you get more products out and uh, let us know what's going on with it. I sure appreciate it, Tony and Tammy, and, and uh, it's a great opportunity for me, and I'm delighted I had the opportunity to, uh, to join you tonight. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. I've got to give thanks again to Dave Lennington for taking the time to talk about his awesome roof rack. Oh, man, that thing is really cool. And especially how easy it goes on and, and off, everything else. Everything else he has going on over at Jeep, just jeepandstuff.com. Really cool website. A lot of cool pictures over there. And, of course, uh, even see some of the stuff uh, from Truck U when they debuted on that on that TV show. Uh, Dave is set up with our very own, or your very own, rather, discount code. That's right. You can get in on these racks with a discount. Just enter Jeep Talk at checkout for a 5% off all weekend racks and products. So once again, head on over to JustJeepinStuff.com. Go check out their Weekender Racks and put in Jeep Talk at checkout for a 5% off discount.
Hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Maybe you work in the off-road industry or know somebody who does. Maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show because, well, everybody has a Jeep story and, well, we want to hear yours. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? It could be you. And coming up next week, Shauna Ayers from Nitro Gears. I mean, who doesn't love gears? I think we all want to re-gear when we start lifting and bitting those bigger tires on. And we try to go over an overpass. And it's all we can do to get the pedal all the way to the floor <laughs> to have enough speed. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to Shauna about uh, gears and things next week. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a great interview. Oh, and actually, uh, if you're if you're keeping up with things, uh, and uh, maybe you're curious, we will have a Thanksgiving show, and Shauna's going to be our guest. And and you know what we're going to have a lot of during that week? Gravy. <laughs> oh, well, that works too. <laughs> uh, I can't let Nikki G down because uh, Nikki G loves hearing that uh, that turkey gobble. Hey, uh, speaking of Nikki G. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And Tony, I know you told us not to call the Fiat recall hotline, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give him a call anyhow. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, that's too many numbers. <laughs> hey, thank you for calling the Fiat Jeep Chrysler recall hotline. <laughs> Do you have any questions about your recall on faulty well? It's a press one now. <laughs> if you have any questions about your recall on those pesky flora mats, uh, press 2 now. If you have questions about the recall about your 96 XJ not to having any cup holders, press 3 now. All other recall questions, please leave a brief message. And, uh, hey, we might get back with you, uh, we might not, who knows. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, I think there's something wrong with my tie rod and drag link. Uh, they get kind of bendy when they impact rocks. But that's not why I'm calling you today. I'm calling about, I think my uh, microwave is laughing at me. My toaster tells me it's normal, but I don't think it is. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> did anybody else that notice? Funny though. Did anybody that else notice that the FCA Italian guy was getting Russian towards the end? <laughs> well, he sounded like he was trying to be a little Indian too. <laughs> well, you know, he, like he does like have a Cherokee, from, so <laughs> the the guy, the comedian star guy at at on The Simpsons. Oh yeah, they got rid of him. I hate that. Oh yeah, Shapu. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Would you be right. requiring a Sloopy today? Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out! It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Yeah, what is it and why do I want it? Well, the big question on everybody's mind is whether or not these floor mats are going to be on a recall or not. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk Crap. about the. Josh started talking. I went, did I roll the wrong promo? I know. <laughs> I thought it was Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to jump in there really quick before yeah, you had a chance. You're doing yeah. the Tony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I figured today would be the perfect day to talk about this product because it was the first wintry mix of the season here on the East Coast anyway. And for those of you who don't know what wintry mix is, it's rain, sleet, snow, and oh, that road salt. Um, it was dumped all over the roads today and at work. And let me clarify this. My office is on a cul-de-sac, which means there isn't a whole lot of traffic. 
and which means you really don't need to worry about the conditions of the roads, which, by the way, they were fine. But the salt truck came by three times in two hours. I almost Good went Lord. out and yelled at him. Did he thumb your nose, his finger uh, on his nose at you? So, anyway, let's go back to the product. With this wintry mix on the roads, that means you're going to track all that yuck into your dr- into your Jeep. And granted, it's going to melt, but the salt and dirt are going to be left behind. And you don't want that salt and dirt in your Jeep. It's a nasty chemical concoction. So you're going to need something to make getting it out of your Jeep super easy. And I love my floor liners. Some folks call them floor mats. Um, The Rugged Ridge floor liners were actually the first thing I ever bought for my Jeep. And I still have the original ones after five years and they're holding strong. Uh, The Rugged Ridge floor liners come with a deep rib or ridges in them that hold in that dirt and salt and mud. It's a deeply molded chevron shaped tread pattern that actually channels the dirt dirt, mud, and snow away from your shoes and or your pant legs. And they use an engineering process using state-of-the-art technology to ensure the exact shape and contour of the floor mats for the Jeep. And, you know, we all know that Jeep rides can be pretty bumpy and you're, you know, flexing a lot. So these floor liners help contain the movement and the sloshing around of any water because once that water spills out, it's going to go all over Unless you have carpet, then your carpet's going to soak it up. And that salt is going to be all over your Jeep. These floor liners have a high perimeter wall that will trap this water inside and prevent it from getting all over your Jeep and infecting parts of your Jeep with that nasty road salt. The material is specially made of a thermoplastic and some sort of process that they use. And it looks and feels just like rubber. And then on the bottom of it, where it sets down on the the floor of your Jeep, there are raised nibs on the bottom to keep it the liner in place. And there's a self-sealing floor hook that hooks into a hook that's in your Jeep. um, And it's self-sealing and it prevents the moisture from getting through. Um, They're very easy to remove so you can clean them up pretty easy. You just pull them out and spray them off. You can buy them on Amazon. They come in pairs, one for the driver's side, one for the passenger side. But you can also get one, and it's a one-piece one that goes in the back seat of your Jeep, and it goes over the little hump, and it works really cool. You can just pull that one out, too. And they also have one for the rear cargo area. Now, in my rear cargo area, I just flipped over the stock, um floor mat that they have because on the bottom side of that is kind of a rubber material now that one does not have the treads and it does not have the the little raised walls but i don't go walking around in the back of my jeep so i figure i'm okay anyway for two of the liners in the front they sell for 62.99 on amazon you can add the other two and it's a total of about 220 depending on where you purchase them you can buy them all separately as well. I found that Amazon tends to be the least expensive. I love mine. They have held up so well. I moved them from my Sahara into my Rubicon. And I've had them pretty much since the first month I bought my Jeep, which was back in 
uh, May of 2013. They're solid accessory to have for your Jeep. And they're actually a must, especially if you live in the salt belt, because it'll protect your Jeep. So I have something similar. I don't think it's the same uh, same brand. I'm, I'm trying to, it's actually the, the ones that I got are Trojan brand. And I was bitching to customer support because I kept asking for extra large and they said, sir, it's fitted. It's just one size for everybody. Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> Trojan, get it. Yeah. yeah I. Uh. Now, Tammy, I, I, I wheel with a couple guys that are running the Rugged Ridge uh, floor mats. Now, one uh, one of my buddies, he's got a, a, a Cherokee. At, what, God, I can't remember what year it is. I think it's 98 or 97. It has a different steering wheel than mine. Uh, any, anyway, he's got the full set. He's got the, the, the two front, the, the one piece rear that goes over the hump and the cargo liner. Yeah. He got all of his Amazon. It was like 220 bucks. Pretty much whatever Jeep you drive, Rugged Ridge has this full set. Yep. And it seems the price point is right about 200 to 230 bucks for the full set. Yeah. I'm talking both front, the entire rear strip and the cargo area. And they all have the high sides. They have that that awesome Chevron, you know, tire pattern, almost like the yeah, VF Goodrich KM1 right. ta- tri- tread pattern. Yeah, and they all have that. All have the high sides and everything. All with a rugged ridge warranty and stuff as well. All with the custom fit. And all it seems, no matter what Jeep you drive, it's all about the two hundred to two hundred and twenty dollar, two hundred thirty dollar price point. So uh, very affordable for the level of protection that you get from these things. So, Tammy, I'll mention to you, uh, if you go to take your high lift jack, even if you have a knockoff, and you use it, and it's it's dirty and maybe muddy where you're having to use it, hopefully not, but maybe it is, and you go to put it back in the back of your Jeep, that's when you're going to want to have those high mm. sides uh, that right. we're talking about. So, that's a good right. reason to uh, to you know go ahead and commit to getting something like that because uh, I got the one, uh, the Husky. Uh, it was like 69 bucks. And it was no comparison to the the ones I have in front, the the, the 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 floor mats I had in front, much thicker, much nicer. I think I actually got mine from Quadratech. You can get it's like Quadratech. Um, there's uh, the Rugged Weather Ridge. Weathertech is another one. Yeah, Rugged Ridge. Well, I think I think the Quadratech, Quadratech uh, the, the 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 Rugged Ridge. I think those are all the same manufacturer because they look I identical think very to me. Close. Yeah. Well, I got a set for for Susie's TJ and a different oh. brand, and they they are identical. So oh. I, I don't know about the 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 brand that you said though. But anyway, the Husky that thing was very thin, and not near the quality of uh, the Quadratech or whatever it was that I that I have in the have in mind. And I wish I had gone with the one you're talking about because I, I get the feeling it's going to be thicker and much nicer than than what I wound up with. But yeah, you know, these, it, it it has sides to it and it'll hold. But it was misshapen. It was so thin. It was actually uh, misshapen when I took it out of the box. See, my my biggest concern about these fitted floor mats is the way that they fit actually, because right underneath my gas pedal, the carpet likes to bulge right there. And, and I'm constantly having to pull my, my floor mats back or, you know, kind of shift them a little bit, um, to get a little bit more room underneath the gas pedal. Otherwise I'm, I'm kind of hitting floor mat or I'm hitting carpet and I got to push a little harder when I'm going up hills and stuff. I don't want to have to do all that. So yeah, it's, that's one thing I'm kind of worried about. I don't want to have to like cut my carpet or anything like that. So um, you know, I'm running just regular floor mats. I'm running oversized truck floor mats in my Jeep right now. They seem to work pretty good. They have a, a pretty deep well in them. But uh, but yeah, I've always wanted to go this route, but I've kind of had that hesitation 
because I don't know how it's going to fit. But it seems like They're a lot of these they 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 use that like the laser scan to do all the measurements and stuff, and they very very highly accurate fit. So you'll this might it. be a good option. Yeah, you'll love it. Try it. Hey, do you have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. i got to put some oil on that door hinge, man. That's noisy. Yeah. <laughs> that might be your spring isolators, but... Uh... Yeah, no, it's uh, I got all kinds of squeaks last weekend. I, I need to get under there and lubricate some stuff. <laughs> no, I took the Did Jeep you? out last weekend. I took the Jeep out last weekend a little bit, uh, just kind of run it through its paces a little bit. Everything works great. Uh, I was very, very pleased with it. I was out solo, so I really didn't put it through its paces 100%. Um, I definitely need to get back out and really test it, but I, I was happy with uh, with how the Jeep performed this last weekend. Uh, I'm going to go back out again this weekend for a little bit of uh, target shooting, uh, and uh, maybe we'll have a chance to put the Jeep in four-wheel drive again, so we'll see. Very nice. Glad to hear that. Yeah, I was I was a little worried about you this weekend. I'm like, oh, I hope Josh doesn't break down out eh. in the wilderness. Uh, no, I've, I've got enough of a, a, a you know network of friends, and and where where I was going wasn't all that far from the house. I probably could have hiked back in a day if I you know was on foot, you know <laughs> that type of thing. But uh, Rambo yeah, style, a, had a little <laughs> headband on. Right. <laughs> Tammy, what what is this all I hear about about you making promises you can't keep? Yeah, um, she keep, keep so some, baby. Yeah, you know Cody from Trail Chasers. Never he heard sent of me, Yeah, he he sent me um <laughs> a, a video and I was cracking up at it and um he apparently shared it with Tony and I like oh did Tony make a comment on it. And he said, Ollie, or maybe he shared it with you on, I think he tagged you on it on. Who is this again? Social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he said, all you didn't make any comments. You just clicked the like button. But it's a video of a renegade pulling out a Wrangler. <gasps> and I, I thought that was pretty funny that he, he tagged you or shared it with you. Photoshop. I know, so I I told him I would bring it up. I promised him I would bring it up, and uh, maybe we could talk about it on the Jeep podcast. Well, this the was Jeep this was a staged video. Um, oh. The uh, the Renegade actually had a V eight swap, and uh, the Re the Wrangler was just a shell. Um, there was no motor, uh, hardly any suspension, uh, no transmission or transfer case. Um, it was <laughs> it was all staged. Uh, it was just a publicity stunt. Close, uh, but actually, if you look at the video very carefully, you can see that that uh, is not a toe strap. That is actually a bar, and the Wrangler is pushing the Renegade. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and it did it did so through the entire trail system, and it was just, you know, because it was so easy for the Wrangler to do it, it figured, yeah, I'll have a little bit of a, a difficulty. I'll push this Renegade around. I can hear the steam coming out of Cody's ears right now. <laughs> yep. Cody, you need to call in and set these two straight. Actually, um, I know a couple of Jeep girls who use their, have bought Renegades to use as their daily drivers, and they love them. I think the Renegade so. is, is perfect for, for Jeep girls. 
I, I work with a guy who's got a renegade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's Sorry, a, Mike. I'm sure it's an excellent. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's an excellent daily driver, Tammy. So I, you know, I would love to have one as a daily driver. That way, I could put my Wrangler in the garage, and I wouldn't have to get salt all over it. I don't think you would after a couple of years. When uh, I don't think it has the same build quality as uh, as what you have. No, and actually, truly, um, a lot of people suggested I just put my Wrangler in the garage during the winter and get some beater of a vehicle. And I'm like, I don't think I could ever drive. Oh, I don't know how Josh does it. Yeah, I don't. Well, I would feel so guilty leaving it in the garage. I'm just not mature enough to do that. I have to be sitting up high and uh, yeah. in- intimidating people and stuff, and going sideways. <laughs> going That's sideways. What I like. <laughs> <laughs> Rear wheel drive in the snow. Pitch it sideways. Yeah, and like I said, my Jeep is my soulmate. Yeah, so I, I just, just, it's, it would be hard. I don't think I could even do uh, like the Renegade. I mean, you know, where you have something that's a better, gets better gas mileage and stuff, right. and, and doesn't scare people as much. I, right. I, I just, I, I got to have the lifted, got to have the fun. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, if you got to, if you're going to be driving in traffic that long, you might as well have fun. And I'm, I'm doing, I'm saying all this stuff, and it's depressing, Josh. Sorry, Josh. Got <laughs> <laughs> a forty mile one yeah. way commute, and there's no way I'm driving the Jeep with eleven miles of the gas. Right. Uh, well, hey, you, we want to hear from you guys about any of this sort of stuff. Join in on the Campfire Side Chat. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. We'd love to have you here. Hey, now some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. And uh, let us know about your event or any event that you know about. Really, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and click and fill out our wheeling wear form. It comes straight to us and, well, we'll get it out on the air. Coming up November 24th, Jeeps for Joy is presenting Wheeling for the Stars. This is at the AOAA, or the Anthracite Outdoor Adventure Area, in Cole Township, Pennsylvania. Uh, We also have coming up on December 2nd, this one's kind of cool, Quadratech is hosting Jeeps in Java at the Spruce Grove Tree Farm just outside of Oxford, Pennsylvania. Of course, if you want more information on these events or any others, well, just visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode, and we'll have some links in there that you can click on. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss the latest content. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. The preceding episode of the Jeep Talk Show may have contained or depicted adult situations. Now, speaking of adult situations, I saw a crippled squirrel in the woods last night and saw my whole life flash before my eyes. I can try to be a good man, but they won't let you taste a piece of the pie. So, take the squirrel home and give it a proper meal and a hot bath. I just haven't felt this close to anyone in years. How did you come up with that? Podcasting since 2010. Kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> totally that, random. I know. So bizarre.